You're listening to TIP. So what I do, when I start the day after I take the kids to school, I take out half an hour, 15 to 30 minutes, where I don't call it meditate, but thinking about, I'm reminding myself where I really want to go. On today's show, I chat with Rafi Mizrahi about why he chose to invest in real estate, how he got into his first few properties in Israel, why he decided to invest abroad from Israel into the US instead of continuing in Israel, his different real estate strategies before settling on his current one, and much, much more. Rafi is the owner of Proud Communities, a real estate firm based in Israel that buys and sells real estate properties in the US. His journey began in 2008, and by the end of 2017, he made over 300 property transactions in the US through fix and flips, wholesaling, and buy and hold properties. He decided to pivot and scale his business by shifting his focus to buying multifamily properties, like apartments, which has led to him syndicating 766 units across six properties and is now working on 250 units that are value-add in Atlanta. What interested me most about Rafi's story is that he's long-distance investing from another country. If you've listened to the show for a while, you know that I'm a big fan of long-distance investing. And I do it from about 2,000 miles away from where my properties are, which a lot of people think is super far and kind of crazy of me to do. And then Rafi comes and takes it even a step further and does it from another country, which I found interesting. And I wanted to chat with him about it in this episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. Let's dive right in. You're listening to Real Estate Investing by the Investors Podcast Network, where your host, Robert Leonard, interviews successful investors from various real estate investing niches to help educate you on your real estate investing journey. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Real Estate 101 podcast. As always, I'm your host, Robert Leonard. And with me today, I have Rafi Mizrahi. Welcome to the show, Rafi. Thank you. Thank you very much, Robert. I'm very excited to be on your show. Give us a quick rundown on your background and your story before real estate. So I'm actually... I was in IT before, like 13 years ago. I'm from Israel and I worked in American tech company. I thought I would get rich by being a good employee, go to the management, and I would get rich. And uh, one day, I got fired. Actually, before the weekend, I proposed to my wife to marry me, feeling comfortable with my economic financial stability. And on the weekday after, we all got fired. So we were sent home, and I didn't find a job for half a year. I was like very frustrated. And I read the, the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It's like uh, the Bible for all the real estate investors. And uh, immediately I knew that it's a sign and I've got to do something else. So I started my journey and like a quick background track record about my track record. So I've been doing it for 13 years, 11 of them from investing in the state from Israel. I did over 300 transactions in the single family space. Fix and flip, wholesaling, buy and hold, helping investors. And in 2018, I shifted to multifamily and I syndicated six deals, 766 units total. And now I'm very active. So that's kind of my short 
story or background. There are a lot of different asset classes or even businesses that you could have chose to invest in. You mentioned that you realized that you probably weren't going to get rich just being an employee. And I know you found Rich Dad, Poor Dad, which led you to real estate. But there's a lot of different ways even that you can do what he talked about in that book that isn't necessarily real estate. So why did you choose real estate specifically? So I was working with computers before, right? So could have got into stock market, investing in the stock market, but I felt like it's going to be again with computer. And real estate is with people and you always need a roof under, you know, above your head. So I thought people, it make me more excited doing that. So I decided to go on real estate. How did you get into your first two properties? I know they were in Israel, but what were those properties like and what was your strategy with them? I didn't know anything about fix and flip at the beginning. I didn't know about it. You know, I thought to myself, I will buy a property. In Israel, you don't have a lot of single family homes. It's not common. It's more about apartments. You know, you buy a condo, more as a condo in buildings. So I was looking to get a cash flow. I said, I will get a cash flow. And I didn't know what would happen after because you can't live from one property, one cash flow from one property. It's impossible, right? But I said, let's see what will happen. I wanted to show that I can. So I didn't think about what will happen later. So I was, at the beginning, I was looking in a city called Tel Aviv, which is uh, in the center of the country. It's very expensive. So I started going further and further to treasury markets and I found reasonable price. So I bought properties over there. It's a city called Ashkelon. It won't say anything to anybody. But anyway, you know, it's a, I did like, I created a cash flow. And then I, I find out that, okay, now I'm getting, let's say, $500 net. How can you live from 500? Right. So, but at the same time, there were my friends who were in, in IT or were, were employees. They didn't have the time and they told me, Rafi, we want to have this cash flow too. So I started finding homes for other investors and get paid for consulting, for finding them the homes and making sure it's renovated and everything. So that was my business at the beginning. So this way I learned from on a lot of transactions with other people's money. I can't say with other people, I was helping others, right? But learning about real estate from that. After two years, the prices in Israel went very high. It was impossible. It's a small country and it was very impossible. It was almost impossible to get a good deal. And when I say good deal is buying below market value. It was very hard. And I heard about the crash in America and I said, okay, maybe I will stop buying in America. This is what pushed me to go to America. Before we talk about your long distance approach to investing in US real estate from Israel, I want to talk a little bit about the Israeli market for real estate. How is it different from the US? You mentioned most are condos and not necessarily single family houses. But other than that, how is real estate investing different there? What is the market like? Are there a lot of renters like there are here in the US as well as homeowners? What is that process like? Well, if you go outside of Tel Aviv, which is very... It's like New York. So it's more of a owner-occupied. But the land in Israel is very expensive. And you don't have enough uh, new construction. You have new construction, but not enough for all the new people that want to buy houses. So it's very expensive here. That's one. Second, I think Americans are very 
lucky that they have a lot of information available. I can log in, to, I can look at the website and know if, if a sub market, how much is the rent growth over there? How much is the, the median income, the crime, all of that. In Israel, you don't have that. So Americans are very lucky about that. Another thing is that in Israel, when you want to buy a house, when you sign a contract, it's already you have done all the due diligence. You don't have a due diligence period. You do the due diligence before. You can come, you go with your contractor, you talk with the owner, you can work with a realtor. But once you sign a contract, there is no due diligence. Also, you don't close in 60 days. You can get a loan. You put like um, you know, the earnest money and then you can pay like in six months with a lender, with the bank. So that's kind of the difference. It's not really different. You still need to buy below you know, market value. You make money when you buy. It's still the same. It's still real estate. How do the loan products and mortgages differ from other than just what you just mentioned? Is it still 30 years? Are they fixed rate? Do you have different terms, no. rates? Like, How does that all work? Well, fixed rate, you have the same. The only thing is the amortization in Israel, it's for 30 years, but you can pay the loan during 30 years. In America, you have 30 years and the long term is, can be 10 years. In Israel, it's got to be the same. If you are, you're taking a loan for 30 years, so the long term is 30 years, the amortization is 30 years. And so is that commercial products only or is that for home buyers too? Home buyers too. So yeah, I mean, in the US, that's what you see usually is you see 30 years, you see both sides, the amortization and the loan term matching. But when you get into the commercial stuff, that's where you see the amortization schedule and the loan term differing. How about the laws? Like when it comes to landlord and tenant laws, you know, in the US, depending on what state you're in, tenants have more rights, landlords might have more rights. How does that work in It's a great, great country. Listen, again, Americans are so lucky. I know some countries you don't have it, but in, in Israel, it's very hard to evict somebody. It can take half a year. Everywhere, it's the same country, but you don't have states in Israel. So it's very hard to evict someone. And also, it's a good point you, you direct me to, is the screening process in America is much more clear than in Israel. For example, I cannot check. It's not easy process to check a crime. I, when Let's say I will take a tenant. I need to meet him and see how he looks, but I cannot check his crime, his eviction. I can check only how much he earns for his uh, last uh, job. That's it, right? So it's easier to screen a tenant in America than in Israel. Is there credit scores and things like that in Israel like there is in the US? There is, but it's only for the banks. It's not like an I can check what is your credit score. But that's still used when you're applying for a mortgage, right? No. No. So that's how is it used? Internal. It's internal. They will check your track record of taking loans. They will check how much your liabilities, your net worth, same. But they're not going to check your... You don't have like a credit score. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Hey everyone, it's Patrick, your host of Millennial Investing. Every year, my buddies and I do a guy's trip to escape the cold and dreary Ohio winters. Once we pick our destination, without fail, we all jump on Airbnb and find an incredible place to stay. We just got back from an amazing trip in Palm Springs, California, and our Airbnb home 
was a huge part of creating memories we'll never forget. I loved it so much, I'm taking my family back to Palm Springs for spring break, and we're staying in an Airbnb home my kids fell in love with and picked out themselves. While I was there, I had the realization that my own home could be an Airbnb. It's an excellent way to earn some extra cash, whether you're saving up for your next vacation, paying off some bills, or investing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's airbnb.com slash host. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com slash millennial investing. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found in the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Hey guys, when it comes to financial advice, you've got to trust the source. It's why you listen to this podcast. When I'm looking to upgrade my wallet, I turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds dives into the details to help you find smarter financial products. Before NerdWallet, I'd pay for vacations with whatever credit card was in my wallet. But I was missing out on miles I didn't even know I was leaving on the table. Now I've got a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? A free flight to a bucket list destination? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and much more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet. Finance smarter. Check out nerdwallet.com and start making smarter financial decisions. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. All right, back to the show. Interesting. I mentioned it before. Longtime listeners of the show know that I'm a big fan of long distance investing and I highly recommend it. I invest from New England in the US, mostly in the Boston area to Texas. But you've actually taken it even a step further than me and you invest from Israel into the US. Talk to us about why you decided to invest in the US instead of continuing in Israel. So I said before, the price here in Israel skyrocketing. It's very hard to get a good deal. And second, you have a lot of taxes. Not a lot of Americans knows that. But in Israel, you have a tax when you buy, you have a tax when you sell, you have tax on rents, you have taxes everywhere. And you have, for example, even on commodity, you buy a car in America for 30000 In Israel, you will buy it for seventy to 80000 more than double. It's very expensive here. Once you understand that, you are looking for other opportunities. So I actually looked in Europe, in Greece, in, even in England. But I feel that in America, you have more houses, you have more real estate. It's a big country. That's one. You have the, the information is very accessible. You have so many different kind of investment niche in, in America. You can be a hard money lender. And once you, I, I heard about that, it made me like very eager to know more when I studied that. 
So that's why I decided to go and invest in America. And, and, and also America is an empire. It's strong. It has a strong economy. Even when it crashes, the time it takes it to recover is actually fast. Between half a year to one and a half. If you go on all other cycles, the recovery was fast. What would you compare the prices in Israel to in the US? Is it more like a San Francisco, New York? Is it Chicago, Austin, that type of thing? Or is it a little bit smaller? Yes. You buy a three bedroom in Tel Aviv. In Tel Aviv, you can buy three bedrooms in treasure market. Think about treasure market in Cleveland or, you know, in Cleveland, Cleveland, you will buy a house, let's say for 100 today. I was buying for 50 and 40 and 30. Let's say 100, okay, to 150. Same house in a treasure market in Israel, you will buy it for at least, I think, half a million. That's a lot. A lot of people I know that are focused only in the US, they'll, they'll try to buy deals and they might get outbid. And then they wonder, they'll say to themselves, I ran these numbers and they only make sense at this purchase price or at what I'm offering. And they're wonder, like, how can somebody pay more than what I'm paying and still get a good deal? And I think you illustrate a good point is that you're not only competing with US-based investors. So somebody might come from international, such as yourself, where they have X cap rate over there, and then they come here and the cap rate is much higher than what they can get over where you are. Even though it seems low in the US, it makes sense for an international investor, whether it's Israel, could be Canada, it could be China, it could be any country. But we see this happen a lot and investors wonder why they can't compete. And sometimes it's because people come from other countries. And even though the cap rate seems low here, it's actually pretty attractive for international investors. Is that kind of what you're seeing as well? Well... Not today. I think less today. Today, I think the competition comes more from, from what I see in the multifamily space and you know, even in the single family space, because I'm top mentor in Israel. I teach people how to buy houses. So I know about a lot of markets and a lot of funds today buy houses. American funds buy houses and the money is so cheap in Amer- from America, not just from out of state. I think before, between 2012 to 2000, uh, maybe 16, 17, that was true. But I think last two years, even in the single family space everywhere, the funds in America are the most buyers, not the out of state, of my belief. You mentioned that the taxes in Israel are a bit different than here in the US. And that actually reminds me of a good point and question I'd like to chat with you about because I have a lot of people that are international that listen to the show that reach out to me and say, hey, I want to buy US real estate. And should I do that? And I'm like, I don't know because I've never done it. You know, I'm not international investing here in the US. So I can't really speak to that because one of the biggest things that we get as US real estate investors is tax benefits. So if you don't have that pillar for you as an international investor, I don't know if necessarily real estate might be the best asset class for you. So for somebody who's international that's investing in the US, how are taxes a benefit or maybe a hindrance to them as investors? So I think a few years ago when where they returned the cash and cash or it's not cash or cash because we were buying cash, but return on investment on houses were double digit. Today's you can get double digit. So double digit instead of getting 5% in Israel, in the treasury market, you can still pay taxes like 
I think 15% from, from the, how do you say, not from the NOI, from, even from the top, still makes sense. Okay. Now, I think buying for cash flow as an out-of-state investor, houses doesn't make sense anymore, right? Because, again, the return investment is not that great. I think doing fix and flip today is a better approach than buying for cash flow because you have a lot of buyers and you can flip, you can wholesale, or you can be a lender today is a better return on investment cash than buying a house or buying a home. I hear a lot of people that they're nervous or they're scared to go long distance, even within the United States. So how did you get comfortable with investing not only long distance, but also internationally? How did you know that you were ready? I figured this out that there are people who live out of state because America is very big that buying not in their own state, not in their backyard. So I said, if they can do it, what is the difference, right? If somebody from California buying in Cleveland or buying in Florida in some place, in, in let's say Fort Lauderdale at the time or in Orlando, they still need to fly for every property three, five hours. So they don't do it. They don't fly for every property. So what do they do? They build a team so, and a process. So I figured that I need to build a process, knowledge and a process, and I will be able to do it. So it's all about every time you want to achieve something, right? You got to find somebody who's done it, and then you feel more comfortable that you can do it too, right? You just need the knowledge now. So that's what I did. I, I reached out to people and asked them how they do it. You have bigger pockets. Again, in America, you are so uh, fortunate to have forms and, and information. You can ask people and people, you will always find somebody to help you with knowledge. When it comes to real estate, especially, I think, you will find somebody who will help you, give you some answers. How do you do it? We'll tell you. Maybe not all the secrets. Right. But in general, for sure. So I got comfortable by asking people and I was looking for, I knew what I was looking for. I was looking to know that I'm buying in a good neighborhood. How do I know that I'm buying in a good neighborhood? That's one. How do I know what the value of the property? Because I want to buy below value. How do I know how much I need to renovate? That was another. And how do I know, which is more, the most important, that I will be the owner? And I'm not going to go into, I will buy somebody and it's going to be a fraud, right? That's the question, the main question I needed to get answered. Now, when you buy below market value, even if you budget for renovation and the renovation will be higher, you still have a room for mistakes, right? So I knew that in Israel, even in Israel on your backyard, the contractor, contractor, contractor probably learned the same thing all over the world, right? You start with a bid and eventually it's not, the actual will be different than the first bid, right? There are surprises. Uh, so I knew that. So I always buy below market value so I have enough room. So that's what I needed to figure this out. So I, I got to admit, the first deal I got very scared. But, you know, you need as an entrepreneur to learn that is this fear stop you from doing it or you should put it aside and continue. When you did decide you were going to come to the US and invest, how did you decide which strategy you wanted to follow? And then how did you decide on a specific location? So I didn't want to do fix and flip at the beginning. And remember, I came in 
I came. I didn't came. I didn't fly to buy properties. The first properties I didn't fly. I bought them without flying at all. So I was buying in 2010, 2011. When I was doing that, the market was at the bottom. So I didn't want to do fix and flip. I thought nobody would buy my property, right? So I was buying for cash flow. That's what I, I was to do. And I, I, didn't look, I was not looking for properties that are, they need a lot of rehab. I didn't look for properties with 100,000 rehab. I was looking for about 10 to 15. Because I said, if 10, 15 cosmetic, cosmetic, what would go wrong, right? And if I'm buying a house who is uh, 2005, at that time, 2005 build, what can go wrong? You're not going to have foundation issues. You're, gonna ha- you're not going to have roof issues. You're not going to have plumbing issues. So I was looking for buy and hold, distressed properties, meaning by foreclosures. So that was the, that time. Today, it's a different approach. When I teach people, they need to go and look for the renovation because that's where the money is right now. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's sponsors. Hey, everyone. It's Patrick, your host of Millennial Investing. Every year, my buddies and I do a guy's trip to escape the cold and dreary Ohio winters. Once we pick our destination, without fail, we all jump on Airbnb and find an incredible place to stay. We just got back from an amazing trip in Palm Springs, California, and our Airbnb home was a huge part of creating memories we'll never forget. I loved it so much, I'm taking my family back to Palm Springs for spring break, and we're staying in an Airbnb home my kids fell in love with and picked out themselves. While I was there, I had the realization that my own home could be an Airbnb. It's an excellent way to earn some extra cash, whether you're saving up for your next vacation, paying off some bills, or investing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That's airbnb.com slash host. Buy low, sell high. It's easy to say, hard to do. For example, high interest rates are crushing the real estate market right now. Demand is dropping and prices are falling, even for many of the best assets. It's no wonder the Fundrise flagship fund plans to go on a buying spree, expanding its billion-dollar real estate portfolio over the next few months. You can add the Fundrise flagship fund to your portfolio in just minutes and with as little as $10 by visiting fundrise.com slash millennial investing. Carefully consider the investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses of the Fundrise flagship fund before investing. This and other information can be found on the fund's prospectus at fundrise.com slash flagship. This is a paid advertisement. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Everything seems to be more expensive these days. I've noticed this at my own businesses that I've run. You'd be wise to find proven ways to cut costs and boost performance at the same time. 
By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash mi. netsuite.com slash mi. That's netsuite.com slash mi. All right, back to the show. And what made you get into the larger multifamily deals? Well, I got the, I don't want to say burned, but you know, I didn't have the desire anymore to do fix and flip, the scaling. I could have done it, open a new market and keep doing it. But I had a dream to do you know, big, big projects, but I was afraid and I thought it's only for the rich people and I wasn't rich enough. I need money, but I wasn't rich enough. And I heard about syndication one day and, you know, that there are mentors and people can, can teach you how to do it. And I said, okay, so maybe I got it wrong. I, I saw other people's like me doing it. And I said, if they can do it, I can do it. I know a lot of people wonder exactly what you were just saying. They wonder whether they're ready to jump from small deals into those larger multifamily deals. When do you think someone is ready for that transition? And how can they know for sure that they're ready? I think it's, a, it's more about what they really dream of. I think the larger deals let you... It's a step to go even bigger. If you want, uh, I don't know, uh, you want some income and extra income, I don't think you got to go to the big deals. Because at the beginning, when you do the syndication, you split with a lot of people. Right. So you're not making huge money. You're making good money, right? But it's not like you are as a syndicator, you're making a lot of cash flow because the way the structure of the syndication on the bigger deal, you have eight prep for the investors, and above that, 70% goes to the investor and 30% goes to the entrepreneurs. So usually on the cash flow, it's not enough cash flow for the syndicators. And when they split, it's not enough cash flow. When you sell, you probably make the most money. No problem. You do make the most money. So what I'm saying is only if you dream big and you know, at the beginning, you will do you know, with more people, then you can do it with less people or you can go to even bigger projects. So only if you dream really big. For someone listening to the show who's interested in long-distance investing, but might be skeptical or is nervous to get started, what advice can you give them that will help ease their nerves or even potentially maybe tell them that their nerves are right and they shouldn't consider long-distance investing? What advice would you give them? First, they are right to be concerned because there are a lot of uh, there are frauds and you know people can take advantage of them because they're far away. So they need to do two things. One is to find a group, find a, a community when other people are doing it, not in their backyard. It doesn't have people from England. There can be people in California or invest in Phoenix. Find those communities and also educate yourself. And don't do anything until you are educated and you saw enough proof and you understand the process before doing it. So. That's how you can do it. Now, I want to move into a segment that I call the action plan, which is where I ask the guests three questions that create an action plan for listeners of the show for when they're done this episode. The first question gives listeners something to implement in their life. The second question gives them a resource to go learn from. And the third one gives them a specific action item to take right now. So the first question is, which habit or principle do you follow in your life that has had a big impact on your success that not enough people do, but should? 
It's a good question. Well, I learned it a few years ago. So what I do, when I start the day after I take the kids to school, I take out half an hour, 15 to 30 minutes, where I don't call it meditate, but thinking about, I'm reminding myself where I really want to go, what I really want to achieve, the big thing that I want to achieve in five, 10 years, the real thing that I, you know, I want to, I want to get. Then I think about, I think about the person, the moment I achieve that, I imagine myself achieving that. And now that I achieve what kind of person I am, then I go back and talk to myself and tell myself, future me, what should I do this week or in the near future or today in order to go there? It's a kind of meditation. It's a version of planning. That's how I plan. So instead of just writing down what I want to do today, it's about, it's like a reverse engineering kind of process. Try to do it every day, but you know, some days I will do it shorter than other days. It depends on the meetings, but, and you don't need to remind yourself every day, imagine yourself in the future. It's, it's putting yourself in the right, how to say, the right focus, right? With plan. That's kind of the thing I do. It's a habit that I do. And then I do an exercise. I do kind of a sport. It can be lifting weights. It could be running. Anything that will help me give myself some energy because, you know, working out takes your blood all over the body and you get energy, right? It's good. So I'm working on my physical. So I'm working on my mentally this way. I'm working on my physical and, um, you know, I'm planning my, the food for the day because we need to eat right. So that's the habits I have that help me be successful because I'm focused this way. What has been the most influential book in your life? And it doesn't necessarily have to be your favorite book, but more so, yeah. which book has had the most impact on you? So I'm not really a guy who reads books. I don't know. I, I lose uh, concentration. I like videos. Uh, I like movies a lot, so movies. But as a book, Rich Dad Put Dad was the one, I think. And I think at the beginning also, I read uh, the, the Out of the Deal of the Deal with Donald Trump. And that was, I think, you know, the way he did the first buildings and everything. I didn't understand how he did it. Now I do. But, you know, I see how impact was. That was the start that I started uh, to think big, right? So I think those two books, I think, think movies very inspirational for me. I can give a few, bo- a few movies that I've seen that really give me inspires, like uh, um, the uh, McDonald movie, the one, this one. And uh, another movie is Forrest Gump. It's a very inspirational. And one scene in Forrest Gump is very inspirational for me. Is the one that is going for, for the shrimp with a soldier. I forgot his name. And they, you know, they're trying to get uh, shrimp and they don't get anything. And then there is a storm, you know, they go every day. There is no shrimps, no shrimps, no shrimps. And then there is the storm and the guys scream, where is your God of yours? Right. And then there is uh, like a, a thunder and they got a lot of shrimps. The reason is inspired me because the way I work every day, I know I'm close. Something will happen eventually and you will succeed what you want to achieve. 
just need to keep pushing. That's why I'm very inspired by that particular scene in the movie. When this episode is over, before the listener quickly jumps to the next podcast that they have queued up in their podcast app, what is one action they should take that can help improve their life, career, or business? I think they need to, they need to work on three things. One, their mentality. So they need to work on you know, motivation, go to Tony Robbins, Ryan Cardone, whatever, right? Whatever they feel like. I work on the educational on what they want to achieve in real estate, right? single family homes, if they want to do wholesaling, multifamily, whatever, physical, everything considered to the physical. So work on that. Before we give a handoff to where people can find you, I like to wrap up the show by turning the tables and letting the guest ask me a question. So Rafi, what question do you have for me? So you interview a lot of people. Give the audience and me one thing you heard, learned, a lesson, a tip, a quote that really impacted you. If I had to pick just one thing, I would probably say it's a quote where the individual said, live where you want to live and invest where the numbers make sense. I think intuitively that just makes so much sense, but it's really had a big impact on how I approach real estate investing. And I think if you had heard it earlier, it probably would have had an impact on you as well, given your strategy and how you invest as well. So for me, just makes so much sense. Invest where the numbers make sense, live where you want to live, and approach business that way. Nice. I like it. Rafi, where can the audience go to connect with you, find you on the internet, look up what you're doing, and see what you're working on? Sure, sure. Well, most of my mentorship is in Israel, so it's in Hebrew. But what I do in real estate for in multifamily, they can find me in proudcommunities.com. And uh, the website is going to launch again in the next week or so. So they can find me there or they can find me on rafi at proudcommunities.com can send me an email. I like helping people. So whoever wants to uh, approach me, I would love to help them. I'll be sure to put a link to that resource in the show notes below and any other resources that we talked about throughout the show will be in the show notes below for anybody that's interested in checking those out. Rafi, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you very much, Robert. All right, guys. That's all I had for this week's episode of Real Estate Investing. I'll see you again next week. Thank you for listening to TIP. Make sure to subscribe to We Study Billionaires by the Investors Podcast Network. Every Wednesday, we teach you about Bitcoin and every Saturday, we study billionaires and the financial markets. To access our show notes, transcripts or courses, go to theinvestorspodcast.com. This show is for entertainment purposes only. Before making any decision, consult a professional. This show is copyrighted by the Investors Podcast Network. Written permission must be granted before syndication or rebroadcasting.